0: Hi everyone, welcome to the Being Inspired radio show. I am your host, Amanda Johnson, and we are in the middle, well, more like towards the end of me reading aloud from my new book, Becoming Enough, A Heroine's Journey to the Already Perfect Self. If you're just joining us, you are welcome to listen to this chapter, chapter nine, or go ahead and pause this, go back to the uh, first chapter or the introduction, wherever you desire to start and work your way through I've been enjoying sharing each chapter in our weekly episodes as a way of gifting you this book in audio form. In the meanwhile, I'm also working on recording an audio book, so I hope to have that out in the coming months. And sneak peek, I'm even working on book two of this series. So it's a great time if you haven't to get through Becoming Enough so that you are ready for the next book when it comes out. Hopefully next year. That's my intention. So thank you for tuning in and joining me. joining me. I'm having a really fun time sharing this message in this format. So today we continue with the third and final part of the book. The wave is already water. It is the same for you. You have God within you. So you do not have to look for God. Tik Nhat Hanh. Chapter 9, Learning to Fly I have spent nearly my entire life trying to change. I longed to transform myself, and with it, my entire life. I sought out opportunity after opportunity to improve. I read books, attended workshops, took courses, hired coaches, went to church, read more books, went to more workshops, and listened to podcasts. This seems to be a fairly common and a journey many of us excitedly and willingly sign up for. And why wouldn't we? To learn, grow, expand is why we are here. We are surrounded by others who have tasted the nectar of transformation, and we want to experience the sweetness for ourselves. Yet what I have discovered is that true transformation is more about savoring the flavor as opposed to getting a sugar rush. I caught myself in this trap, thinking that the revelations I was collecting along the way were simply a means to an end. I thought the purpose of transformation was to achieve something in the external world. I transform so that I can be more successful, have more money, have a different relationship, and so forth. True transformation, however, occurs when our thoughts about these things, money, success, relationships, pain, suffering, change, and we start to perceive them as the suchness of life, not something to attain or avoid. There is no end to achieve unless you accept that each moment is the means by which to attain the truth and avoid the lie once and for all. It's transforming the inner landscape that leads to an outer world transformation, but not exactly the way I had imagined. It's not that your outer world necessarily changes in a literal way. It is transformed through your new thought forms. Sometimes this leads to new dwelling places, partners, forms of abundance, jobs, and so forth, but that isn't always the case or purpose. While I journeyed through my inner world, nothing in my external world changed at first. I simply perceived it differently. I still lived in the same city, in the same apartment, had the same relationships, went to the same restaurants and grocery stores, took the same walks. If anything, I downsized. I earned less money than before, acquired less stuff. My inner world, however, shifted, and I perceived things externally as a reflection of that shift. I experienced contentment with my simple studio apartment i appreciated the beauty of san francisco with fresh eyes i felt more connected with my friends and more accepting of my partner i was less critical and more cheerful with people on the street i experienced the abundance of the universe in mysterious ways i saw the perfection and interconnectedness of all things my life situation didn't change my life experience changed You don't necessarily have to quit your job or move to another country or reach some external definition of success to experience these treasures and bring them back home. My treasure chest is full of pure, unembellished gems of wisdom. Now it's time to begin the process of integrating these shimmering objects into my previous understanding of the world, to find space on my shelves to display these treasures by cleaning out some of my old artifacts. One of the first ones i pick up and evaluate is if judgment isn't in some way necessary for transformation to occur i mean without it how would i evolve or grow how would you for a long time i was under the impression that i have to be less than in order to be motivated to change i have to think sitting on the couch and watching tv is a sign of laziness Not working out and eating unhealthy food is bad, drinking too much is a stupid decision and a waste of time, and not making more money or meditating enough is due to a lack of motivation. Basically, how I currently spend my time and treat my body is wrong, and it is this judgment that motivates the change, right? Climbing the mountain gave me a more comprehensive view. Everything in nature evolves, changes, and transforms. This is unavoidable. Our bodies are transforming each and every second. If you desire to evolve or grow with more intention, then by all means be more selective of what you ingest, how you spend your time, or what thoughts you choose to focus on. Notice that none of that requires judgment or comparison or doubt or some other illusion of how you are somehow incomplete as a prerequisite. Sure, the flower will evolve or grow differently based on the soil in which it is planted. Equally, the flower is perfectly whole and complete just the way it is and requires no judgment to turn toward the sun. Yes, change occurs most rapidly when the flower realizes it will wither and die if it stays where it is versus experiencing a little discomfort stretching itself in a new direction still you can observe all this without judgment you do not need to beat yourself up and tell yourself how worthless or lazy you are the caterpillar needs no judgment to become a butterfly it is simply in alignment with the nature of things equally it doesn't need to go out and obtain more from the external world before it can transform it has all it needs within and simply reveals it through its metamorphosis so too it is our nature to transform being in judgment keeps you from revealing the true nature of who you are and it's by getting back in touch with this that the natural evolution can occur from a place of love as opposed to fear which is the only foundation for lasting transformation to take root after many years of practicing bikram yoga i started to notice for the first time just how badly the voice in my head judged what was happening throughout the class by saying things like i'm so weak i should be stronger than this or i'm about to die i have to leave the room in the past i would have resisted the voice for what it had to say and pushed through or listened to it and then beat myself up for giving in on this particular day though I simply noticed the voice and became more aware of my body and what it needed and, without judgment, did what I felt was best in each moment. That meant sometimes I observed the voice was simply expressing fear or frustration and I would hold the pose and stay in the room. Other times it meant listening to my body and sitting down to rest without beating myself up. This transformed my practice. I didn't need judgment to make progress. Much like a caterpillar, your transformation occurs when you start to outgrow your britches. Your pants don't magically expand. You need to shed the old pair. You then enter the chrysalis stage where it may appear you are resting when, in reality, your thought forms are rapidly transforming. This is your dark night of the soul when you call everything into question. Imagine if the pupa could intellectualize like we do what must it be thinking? Its entire world, its entire being, will never be the same again. It goes from being limited to crawling around on one small leaf to having wings and being able to fly anywhere. Yet in order for this to happen, it has to lose the form it once knew, the body of the caterpillar. It has got to be thinking, what the fuck? In 2014, I invested a lot of time and money on myself. Along with quitting my job, I hired a coach, traveled through South America, and enrolled in an intensive self transformation program that lasted many months, which called a whole bunch of stuff into question. In December of that year, I entered my chrysalis. I experienced my dark night of the soul. It was less of a collapse and more like a voluntary removal of the walls. Still, this deconstruction left me tired and feeling vulnerable. In the process, my ego threw quite a tantrum. She could tell I was on a mission to tear down the walls she had spent a lifetime building out of fear, brick by brick. She felt exposed. I am sick and tired of wasting so much time and money on trying to improve myself, she grumbled, as if anyone out there knows what the fuck they're doing. Yet here I am throwing gobs of money at them to tell me how to live my life. Fuck that. I'm over it. I'm going to live my life how I want to live my life. I'm not some asshole who's going to let people walk all over me anymore. Meet the new fucking me. The one who doesn't give a shit anymore. The one who has been kept secret all these years. Wow. She was pissed. I don't blame her. As I invited her to share how she felt, these were the exact words that came spewing out onto my journal. I was turning her entire world upside down, bringing everything into question. My old artifacts no longer went with my new decor. The very thing I had spent my entire life doing, looking to others while trying to fix myself, was starting to transform right before my eyes and it took time for my eyes to adjust to the new perspective while in chrysalis everything changes the transformation involves integrating the new with the old like the butterfly when you first emerge you won't fly well it takes practice and time to learn how to flap your newly formed wings it's one thing to learn something intellectually and it's quite another to integrate it into your being Let's pretend that the caterpillar might intellectually know that one day it will have wings and be able to fly, but until it undergoes metamorphosis, it is only a concept. You might know there is a butterfly within you waiting to emerge, but it is only once the transformation occurs that you will need to start flapping your wings and master the new art of flying. One summer while working at a theater camp, I observed this little girl playing on the jungle gym. She would try to make her way across, fall to the ground, and then get back up and try again. Not only was she willing to try again, she was willing to try different ways of getting across the monkey bars until she succeeded and mastered the art of swinging across them. In that moment, I was reminded just how important it is to play and experiment, especially while learning how to fly. As I find room on my shelf for my new understanding of perfection, knowing that it isn't found outside myself, I gain more confidence in experimentation. Without the weight of the shield i had been carrying around for so long, I am lighter and freer to play and try things out. This means trying different forms of meditation, meditating daily for 15 minutes or meditating for longer periods at less frequent and consistent intervals. I try various journaling techniques, morning rituals, and different types of yoga. I'm willing to recognize that some things may or may not work for me. I no longer get discouraged when it doesn't work the first time around, and sometimes I choose to take a break from something even if it is working. I experiment with my diet, lemon water, caffeine, no caffeine, vegetarian, no red meat, burgers and fries. I experiment with my wardrobe, landing on anything without a zipper for the time being. Everything becomes an experiment as I explore the newly formed parts of myself to see what works and what doesn't. Another way I learned to fly is by being more than doing. Sometimes less is more. I find that when I avoid the doing trap long enough, I start to witness the perfection that already exists within me without having to effort all the time. Part of the false protection I carried around for so long was a shield of constant doing, telling myself, if I do enough things, then I will reach perfection. Perfection. So I started practicing what it feels like to sit in the space of being good with being me. What if I don't have to do anything to be perfect? What if I don't have to clean the house or send off 10 more emails or complete my to-do list or even make a to-do list? This doesn't mean I lay in bed all day and never do anything, though there are a few days like this, which is totally fine. It means that I make a more conscious effort to do less. Making choices in each moment and allowing myself to feel the discomfort of it not being perfect becomes my practice. I start with little things like leaving my bed unmade or leaving the dishes undone or resisting the urge to reply to just one more email. I consciously let things be enough as is. The bed is complete with or without the throw pillows placed just so. My hair is perfect with or without the curls being just so. My beauty is real, whether or not my makeup looks just so. This doesn't mean I never make my bed or do the dishes or wear mascara again. I simply no longer do it because I think I'm not okay if I don't. On the flip side, sometimes learning how to flap my wings means putting Nike's famous motto into practice and just do it. It's important to practice leaving things undone and be at peace with it as is. It's equally as important to practice showing up in whatever way you can, as you are in this moment. I'm not leaving things undone out of fear that it won't be perfect enough, so why bother? That was the old way. I simply leave things as they are to remind myself that there is inherent completeness, perfection in all things. Equally, I have to practice doing things even when I don't feel ready. I start a blog before I have a fancy website. I record videos without professional equipment or quality lighting. I write and publish a book without years of experience or an agent. If I had continued to believe that everything had to be just so before I would just do it, I wouldn't have nearly a year's worth of videos and you wouldn't be reading this book right now. Learning to fly doesn't always feel good, especially at first. You might notice that your wings are a little sore Or you might experience bumping into things for the first time. That's fine and part of the process. The more often you experience the discomfort and notice how you are still loved and alive despite it, the more you realize that you are inherently enough. Integrating my newfound wisdom offers me plenty of opportunities to experience discomfort. I have to learn new ways of discerning whether or not to do something and make friends with uncertainty. Dancing with my inner wisdom means trusting that even when I don't know where I'm being led or when I will be spun around, my partner has my back and knows where he's going. For more than three months, I am led around the United States with Michael with very few plans and a very loose itinerary. We start in San Francisco, making our way to South Dakota, then to Indiana and Connecticut where we visit friends, eventually making our way down the East Coast where we park the car in Florida for three weeks, as we travel to Peru before getting back in the car and completing the circle. One day, while heading south, Michael sees that one of his favorite bands just happens to be playing a show in Durham, North Carolina that night. We realize if we take a different route, we can make it in time for the concert. So we do. And it is an incredible show. Our entire trip is based on having a destination in mind and then allowing the perfection of the universe and our inner GPS get us there. As my faith in these truths strengthen, I eventually become location independent and live out of a suitcase, spending a few more months on the road until finding the next temporary landing spot with my parents. With my inner wisdom as my partner, I am twirled around and led backward around the dance floor, trying to keep beat and find my footing with lots of unknowns and a whole lot of change. I quickly learned the importance of taking just one step at a time. I don't have to know all the dance steps. I just need to know I want to dance and then take the first step. I don't have to have the entire thing planned out ahead of time or get caught up in the what should, could, needs to happen. Instead, I am 100% present in whatever it is I'm doing right here, right now. I remind myself that there is no right answer or right choice to make. If my partner adds a spin, I spin. If not, that's okay too. Faced with so many different options, like where to stop for the night, when to move on to the next location, what the next location is, where to live, what to create next, how to make money, I remind myself that it's all right to look at the various choices and potential outcomes, but there is no one way. No matter what I choose or end up doing, I'm going to be okay. Instead of needing to figure it out or know the answer, I'm open and curious to clues from the universe. Sometimes a friend suggests something, or I read about something that piques my interest. I'm open to it and see it as a sign, a form of support, and I pay attention. Whether or not I use it as part of my decision-making process, at least I'm open to it. Staying in curiosity over analysis helps me with any doubt that arises from the unpredictability of being spun around the dance floor. I learn to simply observe the inner critic any she creeps in, acknowledge her, and then continue to dance despite her doubt or criticism. I learn to ask, am I avoiding or am I allowing? Am I avoiding the discomfort that comes with learning a new dance, which the ego will do whatever it can to avoid? Or am I allowing my true self to move to her own beat and do that which feels in alignment with my essence? When I ask this question, doubt and guilt begin to disappear right along with comparison. Being in alignment with my inner wisdom means operating from the space of equanimity, which means there is no room to think I should be more or less. I can be different. I can evolve and expand. Each moment can be a new experience. But wholeness and equality does not need, lack, or want for anything. As I integrate my new treasure of oneness, I wonder how this is true when I experience horrendous behaviors. It seems impossible to accept my already immaculate self when I act in unloving ways, and just as hard to accept our equality when you do. So I challenge myself to see how acting in such a way does not diminish the truth it simply means that I have either forgotten it momentarily or not fully embraced it. When this happens, I refuse to see you for who you truly are, or I act in ways that are completely out of alignment with who I am. I might yell at my boyfriend, eat or drink too much, engage in a relationship outside of the one I'm committed to, or not tell the truth. When I act in ways that feel out of alignment and disconnected from my essence, I feel depressed worthless or less than equally when you act in such ways i feel angry resentful or superior it's not because of the behavior that i feel this way it's because i have forgotten the reality of who we are the way of reintegrating this fact is not by cleaning up my act because then i will be whole and complete nor is it expecting that of you because then we can be equal. On the contrary, it is by recognizing and accepting our wholeness, our holiness, in this very moment, despite the undesirable behavior, which offers me a reminder of how we are all connected and the same at our core. The way I choose to live my life naturally becomes more aligned with that truth once I accept it. And when I act or behave in a way that is out of alignment, which happens, I can come back to that knowing immediately and refrain from self-loathing or comparing myself with what I might have done or could be, because I'm reminded that everything I can be, I already am. And once I am able to practice this for myself, I can extend it to you as my equal, which means everything you can be, you already are. Transformation terrifies the ego, because as Reverend Michael Beckwith says, the ego can't tell the difference between transformation and annihilation, and rightly so. Transformation leads to the death of all thought forms, including that of the false self. The ego in this case is like the caterpillar. It sees transformation as its termination. Thich Nhat Hanh defines nirvana as, quote, the extinction of all concepts and the extinction of the pain that concepts cause, End quote. As you transform your concepts of not already being perfect, all-knowing, and equal with all things, you extinguish the pain they cause as you realize the treasure that lies on the other side of the fear. I realized this treasure during my second San Pedro journey after asking a simple yet powerful question my shaman taught me. What am I avoiding by feeling fear? The answer? Divine love. That's it. Pure and simple. When we choose to live in fear, we're avoiding love. Now you might think, but why would I avoid love? Isn't that what we all ultimately want? The false self, according to the wisdom of A Course in Miracles, mandates that we seek and not find. Quote, the ego is certain that love is dangerous, and this is always its central teaching. For the ego cannot love, and in its frantic search for love, it is seeking what it is afraid to find. End quote. Love feels vulnerable. It requires faith and dismantling the walls you have spent so much time hiding behind. It requires courage to go from being confined to one small leaf to learning how to spread your wings and trust you won't fall when you fly for the first time. Learning how to fly with my new treasures of innate perfection, inner knowing, and interconnectedness serve as my metamorphosis, which includes multiple deaths to create room for each subsequent stage. Creating space for the transformation to occur means sacrificing my previous understanding. My resurrection requires I first die unto my fear-based judgmental concepts and live anew from a place of love, each and every day. It isn't that my ego has to die. I have to die to my understanding of what my false self is and my belief that it is who I am. There is no getting rid of the ego. The best you can do is observe it as often as you can. By bringing awareness to it, you begin to break the hold it has on your life and operate from a more conscious place, as opposed to cruising on autopilot. It's through non-judgmental awareness that my relationship with the ego is transformed, allowing it to take a backseat so that I can allow my true self to take the wheel and navigate from a place of love. This has been my soul's purpose all along. With each of the truths this adventure has awakened in me, I am born again into a knowing of who I truly am, an already perfect, insignificant yet significant butterfly with the ability to soar. And that concludes chapter nine from Becoming Enough. We have one more chapter to go. And for me, these last few chapters in the book are my favorite, personally. I feel it's where the message is really true to how I experienced it. And I feel it was where I was able to best articulate the treasures that we experience along this journey. And so many of the symbolisms and ways of experiencing this journey or describing my experience, I have found in so many other texts. And it's really powerful for me to see how there are a few ways of articulating truth. And those of us who have experienced it, perhaps even you who are listening, uh, you'll find that you use the same words, the same analogies, the same metaphors. And I think that's because as humans, we are all connected. We are all connected to the same truth, and we are all connected to the same way of bringing that truth into our experience as a collective. So you may hear things in this that sound similar to what you have yourself said or you've heard before, and to me that is affirmation that we are all experiencing the same truths over and over again. So stay tuned. Join me next week for the final chapter of Becoming Enough. And again, if you haven't already, you can go ahead and subscribe to the radio show. That way you're notified of the episodes as they are released on Tuesdays. And if you haven't already gotten your copy, you can get your Kindle or paperback version on Amazon or wait for the audio version, which I will be announcing as that is ready. And until then, I wish all of you Many blessings.